0: Welcome to the Yellow Jackets Hive. I am Media Melanie here with... And I'm Emily. And today we're covering Yellow Jackets episode 202, Edible Complex. And now that we've seen the episode, we have more context on our weekly mailing from Showtime, which, excuse me, of course, included Javi's cargo pants, a fire, and Jackie's heart necklace. So... I still cannot believe that Nat lied to Travis about Javi. Of course, we'll get more into that. I think there were a few lies told in this episode. Just saying. Just saying. Um, But before we begin, we should say that on our Yellow Jackets Hive After Dark this week, we had our friend uh, Ro Rusak join us. Of course, she's the news editor at Nerdist. And uh, we talked a little bit about how we finally saw cannibalism and she shared with us what she calls soft cannibalism. So we're just going to play a really quick clip with that. Well, I actually thought that this is what we could call, like, soft cannibalism, right? Like, they didn't yeah. exactly kill Jackie. Jackie decided to be, like, out and freeze. And then they did decide to eat her, but she was kind of, like, they didn't really, like, mean to cook her, and they didn't, like, yeah. murder her in a sense. So it was kind of, like, you know, I think they saw it really
1: cleverly. I like Soft that. cannibalism. <laughs> exactly. You heard it here first, folks. It-
0: <laughs> I love that. I love soft cannibalism. We're going to keep using it. And of course, we'll hit some hard cannibalism at some point pretty soon, too. So
1: it was such a good way to describe it. Like, just because of the circumstances and the whole, how the whole situation transpired. Like, that was a great way to, like, to coin it, if you will, like soft cannibalism. That's perfect.
0: Yes. Oh, I really enjoyed that. So before we get started, uh, Emily, I'm going to Would You Rather You. We've been doing our Yellow Jackets Would You Rather for each episode. So, Emily, would yeah. you rather be Mari's sous chef or empty the poop bucket?
1: Ah. Uh, I honestly feel like I have to go with empty the poop bucket (laughs) just because like Mari is so snarky and like it she did have a really funny line though like when she was cooking and Misty and Crystal are sitting behind her and she turns around and she's like oh there's two of you now and I absolutely loved that but she is just like the definition of a mean girl in my book and I'm not going to sit there and have her tell me what to do and delegate and boss me around. So I think I would rather take the poop bucket.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. And, you know, I mentioned that I thought Mari was like the cabin Karen on our Hive After Dark after show on Sunday. And she really is. I mean, she's kind of setting herself up or the writers are setting her up potentially to be pit girl because she's, probably the most unlikable person there maybe aside from misty but i mean i kind of like misty more than i like mari personally so
1: at least with misty like you know what you're getting like there's no like hiding her personality like it's very surface level with her but like mari like in the beginning they show her like on the airplane with akila and she's like do you want some fruit by the foot i've got like a mile of it and like She was being so nice, but like that changed so quickly. Like she flipped on a dime. And I would keep, I would stay as far away from her as possible. Like you said, they're like really setting it up really well for her to be Pit Girl. And I know we both think that that's the most likely contender for Pit Girl.
0: It is. Just from a hair perspective, I feel like Crystal's hair is a little bit too short. I feel like Jen's hair is a little too short. I could maybe see um, Melissa. Like, her hair is long enough. It's a little bit lighter, though. I feel like she's got a little lighter of a complexion. So, still going to go with Mari. We'll see. We'll see. But before we dive in, um, why don't you read us the episode description from Showtime?
1: Sure. So, it says... Breaking off that friendship with the person who keeps ghosting you isn't always easy. Ty speeds through an unexpected reunion, Nat shacks up with Lottie, and Misty encounters a riddle wrapped in an enigma dressed in cargo shorts.
0: Yes, we saw Citizen Detective Walter, of course, played by the famous Elijah Wood. Uh, What a great addition to the cast. We saw his very muscular calves on that first um, scene with him in the nursing home. And I cannot wait to see where him and Misty go this season. It's going to be great.
1: I love how when they showed him, like, it shows her, like, checking him out. And it pauses on his calves. Like, that cracked me up so hard. And when I watched with my mom, she was so funny. Because she was like, oh, my gosh, look at his socks. He's such a nerd.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I absolutely Loved seeing Elijah Wood and Misty checking him out. Um, that was actually, was that your Misty moment of the week this week? Yes. Yes. Her sneakily checking out Walter's muscular caps. Yes. yes. Um, that, and of course, steamed clams, escalators, or a couple of MFQ's turn ons. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, before we dive into our chronological highlights of the show. We're just going to take a quick pause for an ad break. Why don't we get started with the teen timeline? We will highlight all of the most important events. Uh, Emily, how did this episode open up?
1: So this episode opens up with Shauna in the meat shed again, imagining having another conversation with Jackie. And this conversation like stuck out to me because while she's talking to her, like you can see the bear carcass and she's like, you can tell there's like almost nothing left on that thing. And she's trying to get more meat off of it. And that's when Sean, like Jackie, like starts like taunting her almost. She's like, Shauna, you're hungry. And Shauna says something like Mari's making dinner. So like that it'll be fine soon. And she's like, but that's not what you're hungry for. And as soon as she said that, like, I knew, I knew where it was going. Like,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And can we just talk about the makeup situation? Like, oh. I mean, so we see Jackie had makeup applied to her by Shauna. Maybe not the most beautiful application of makeup, but how did the caboodle get out there?
1: Yeah, I personally think that, like. Shauna subconsciously took it out there because she knew that she was going to end up doing something like that. So she doesn't remember doing it, but she brings it out there because I can't see any of the other girls bringing it out there. Why would they? Like they're not spending their time in the meat shed talking to dead Jackie
0: unless it was Ty like in a fugue state, but I think that's the yeah. last thing that Ty's doing in her in her um dissociative identity disorder situation. I yeah. don't think she brought a caboodle out to the meat shed, so I'm yeah. it's gotta be Shauna.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's got it's gotta be so and I think like I think Shauna like loses time when she's with Jackie, like I don't think she's aware. Of how much time is passing because all the other girls made comments like Natalie said something like it's totally normal for somebody that's seven months pregnant to spend half their night risking pneumonia talking to their dead best friend. So we know she's out there a lot. Right. And that alone like I I can't believe that they're not like questioning it more. Like I think coach Ben is the one that says like well maybe one of you should go and get her. Yeah. But nobody seems like ready to volunteer to go and get her. No, it's an awkward confront confrontation of course. Yeah.
0: Nobody wants to get involved with that situation yeah. in chat. I mean it's a little bit um it's a little bit a little bit alarming so. Yeah. Yes. Um and then Jackie of course starts talking to Shauna again and encouraging her to eat her she says that's not what you're hungry for you know referring to the bear meat and there's there's a scene with a knife and it looks like Jackie's cutting into her arm but lo and behold who's holding the knife
1: yeah I know Shauna like Mm -hmm. that that part really creeped me out when she started like slicing into her own arm like but Yeah. yeah I mean like, knowing, like, that she's imagining all this, like, you know that, like, she's the one that does it, obviously, but, like, what did she do with it? Like, did she dispose of it, or did she eat it? Like, because we don't jacky. see that happen. Yeah. Yeah, snacky no, we do not jacky. see it happen.
0: Jack-cuterie, Jackie-jerky, I mean, gosh, we've seen all of the <laughs> really good uh, eating Jackie material out there on the socials uh, just so much opportunity there. Um, and of course we're still kind of digesting this episode, speaking of bad puns, but uh, <laughs> there, we, there we go. Um, so after we see Jackie and Shauna out in the meat shed, we then see uh, Van waking up in the middle of the night and discovering that Ty is
1: gone. And where, yeah. where'd, where'd she go, Emily? she she walks outside and like it's a good thing that van woke up exactly when she did because if she didn't like we saw where ty was walking and she was walking towards a cliff which i also thought that was really interesting because it that cliff had to be somewhat close to the cabin yet we'd never seen that before so somebody speculated like maybe when Javi was running away at dune coming, like he ran off the cliff and didn't know that it was there. Oh. Which, which would like make a lot Ooh. of sense. But the tree that you see that you just showed the the symbol of, yeah, like that's what really interested me the most about that scene. Like was, I feel like the man with no eyes was leading her there for some kind of a purpose. And we know that she sleepwalks again. So I have a feeling that everywhere she goes when she's sleepwalking, like is go we're going to see a symbol in that area.
0: Gosh, and you know, in that way, is the symbol protective because she was actually saved from going off the cliff, or is it a warning? Is it a warning, hey, there's a cliff? If the cliff was that close, you would think that they would I don't know, tie a flag around a tree or something just yeah. to remind them, especially in the snowscape where everything kind of looks just white and, and yeah. the same. But gosh, now that you've said the thing about Javi going off the cliff, I can't stop thinking about it. So really? I am really hoping that they do not recover Javi. Somebody pointed out, I think it was the Facebook group, um, that's picture that we had seen of the girls all eating something which we speculate to be placenta that there's a shot of what looks like Javi under a blanket next to Travis in the cabin um I I didn't make it out clear enough to buy that personally I don't think that they would have shown us that either so yeah um, I don't either yeah
1: but the Javi
0: I don't think so either. But um, but this man with no eyes situation is really interesting because, of course, um, as we discussed in The Hive After Dark, we've seen him before. Ty's grandma saw him. Is this a, a genetic mental illness that gets carried down? We've, of course, seen Sammy drawing pictures of the man with no mm-hmm. eyes. If he represents death, um, whose who's death is he representing? Was he you know bringing Ty towards her death? And luckily, Van was there, Van, who right. always seems to come out of things in a positive way. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if we keep seeing the man with no eyes with ties sleepwalking.
1: Yeah. And I think he's definitely tied to her like alter, like, like her alternative personality, if you want to call it that, because just because of what we see in season one, when she's giving that speech where she says she's going to step down from running for Senate And in the middle of the scene, she looks out into the audience and she sees him. And it was, like, as soon as she saw him, like, almost like a switch flipped. And she completely changed. Like, she changed what she was saying. She had a change, like, in her, like, facial expression. And to me, that means that, like, he's somehow tied to this fugue state alternative personality that she has because she sees him when she goes into those states so she he has to be tied somehow
0: right? And I mean, if it is dissociative identity disorder, did her grandma suffer from that? Or did she just yeah. see him? Does Sammy suffer from that? And is he doing things that he's not aware of? Of course, mm-hmm. um, you know, speaking of of Ty, she imagined Sammy there, which we'll get into a little bit later. But that was alarming. And it makes me question anything we've seen from Ty's perspective thus far. Yeah.
1: So, Especially because the the showrunners have also said that a lot of what we're going to see this season is not reality. So it makes me wonder if every, like the whole of what we've seen, like what actually is really true and what's not.
0: Right. And of course we did see something we can definitely say is not reality during the cannibal sequence at the end. That feast of course is not Mm -hmm. rooted in reality. It's more of a dream sequence. So uh, again, uh, will be interesting to see what's real, what's not as the season continues. Yeah. And the next thing from the teen timeline, um, Van suggests getting help from Lottie for Ty's sleepwalking. And of course, Ty does not agree with that. Ty wants nothing to do with Lottie and her situations, if you will.
1: I'm not surprised by that. Like, she's been a very, um, She's been very vocal about the fact that she doesn't believe in whatever Lottie is pushing on them. So that doesn't surprise me. And it doesn't surprise me that Van asked her if Lottie would be able to help because we know that Van does buy in. Yes. Like, I think in the first episode of season two, like, at one point, you see Van is still wearing that necklace that Lottie gave her.
0: right yes the talisman oh so interesting and we see we've seen more talisman pictures in previews Mm -hmm. for season two that one that looks like it's like a little squirrel head with some stick skeletons um, hung somewhere so perhaps they take a little piece of everything that they've um, sacrificed or that Mm -hmm. has come their way and they add it as as kind of a, a talisman.
1: Oh, that's a good thought. That like they use things from what they like sacrifice. That's a really good thought.
0: Right. I mean, you know, maybe eventually, I mean, Jackie's necklace essentially is kind of a talisman in itself, just symbolically. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, perhaps, um, and you know, the bear heart, which of course has since decomposed, but Yes. Yes, there's some interesting things starting to unravel out there in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And we then see Nat and Travis um, go searching for Javi again. And this time things are a little different because Nat wants to split up with Javi because she has a plan in place. And I don't agree with her plan personally. What do you think about the lie she told to Travis that she found Javi's pants? What an elaborate lie, by the way, like cutting her own leg. I mean, I wouldn't want to risk infection, yeah. anything like that. So I think it was a pretty bold choice. And how long was she thinking about it? Like yeah. not cool nat.
1: that. I'm so torn because like, even though I don't agree with what she did, like I understand why she did it. Like she knows that Travis is hurting. She knows that Travis wants nothing more than to find his brother. And He will probably keep searching forever, like, until they're no longer in the wilderness. Like, I can't see him giving up on looking for his brother just because, like, of how traumatic, like, the traumatic way that they lost their father. And, like, they don't know. At this point, like, they've been out there for seven months, and I think they've all, like, resigned to the fact that, like, this is it. Like, we're stuck here. Like, there is no rescuing us. There is no going home. So he wants, he wants to make sure Javi's okay. And I would too, like that's natural, but like she thought she was doing the right thing. Like I think her head and her heart were in the right place, but I also think that it was a little bit selfish of her to do that too. I do.
0: I agree. And, and I agree with you in that her head and her heart were in the right place, but at the same time, um, Gosh, I mean that's a pretty big lie and we've got to imagine that she gets caught in that lie and that has something to do with the relationship she has with the other teammates. Oh yeah. Throughout the rest of their stay in the wilderness and then also, you know, when they get back to the adult timeline and who knows? I mean maybe maybe that and whatever transpires was some kind of trigger to make her start using again when she got back. Yeah. Did she start using right away or, you know, did it take time? That gap post rescue and then leading into adulthood, there's so many things that must happen that we have not seen yet. And I'm yeah. dying to find out
1: what those things are. I definitely think that there's a possibility, like if Javi's found like dead or alive, that this is really going to come back and it's going to bite her because... It's obviously going to cause problems between her and Travis, but I think it's possible that it could cause problems with her and the rest of the group as a whole, like because they might have a problem with what she did, especially Lottie because Lottie Uh. was so insistent that he's still alive. Like when they got back and they showed them the shorts, like Lottie was like, no, like that can't be possible. Like I know he's alive. Like I can feel it. So I can see that like, Maybe that is what splits the group, like, ultimately.
0: It could be. It could be. And when is the split coming? I don't know, but we did see in some of the preview photos Ty walking with Shauna in a blizzard, and you've got to think if they're leaving the cabin in a blizzard and walking somewhere, there's got to be a big reason for that. So we, we initially thought maybe she was going into labor, but it seems to me the cabin would be the best spot to go into labor unless you've already split into clans and then you're forced to go elsewhere.
1: So Yeah, that's true. Maybe they split and maybe they were trying to make their way back to the cabin because they knew that's where she needed to be.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, So next scene, Ty goes out to the meat shed and discovers exactly what Shauna has been doing out there. Oh, and yeah. she's pretty alarmed about it, as she should be, because let's face it, if you walk into a meat shed and you see a corpse positioned all funny, all of a sudden wearing makeup, it's a little alarming, a little yeah. alarming. So, yeah. obviously, you can totally see, you know, why, why Ty got upset about that. And, um, you know, she really calls her out and then she suggests that they cremate her. And that initially does not go over well.
1: No. Shauna is like you can tell that Shauna's like trying to think of anything that she can say to prevent this from happening because she's like the ground is frozen solid. We can't even bury her. And Ty's like, but we can cremate her. We are getting rid of Jackie's two month old corpse. Like that is something that we should have done right from the get go. Like it's not healthy. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for your baby. And then Shauna comes back with, like, what do any of you know about what's good for my baby? And obviously, hanging out with a dead person in the freezing cold <laughs> while you're seven months pregnant isn't really a great idea. Like, And Lottie, like, like, I don't know why Lottie, like, protects her so much in this instance. Like, she's, like, defending her behavior. And her behavior is so far from normal. I mean... Granted, the circumstances that they're in are not normal, so you can't grieve the way you would normally grieve, but, like, you know that doing what she's doing is messed up, like, and you're sitting there, and you're not trying to interfere. Like, why? Like, are you afraid of what she'll do? Are you afraid you might send her into early labor? Like, I have no idea.
0: I don't know either, I mean she's of course you know an empath and she feels things and sees things, so maybe there's some feeling that she has that her gut is just guiding her, and that's what's what's coming out, but yeah. you know, Mari, our cabin Karen, of course, asks if uh they should take Jackie's jacket, and Shauna does not like that, and I'm just thinking, yeah. like okay, keep the rest of her clothes on, but like. Take the jacket. I mean, there's a baby that's coming on the way. They're gonna yeah. need more clean things. I mean, you and I both given birth. Like, there's a lot of like things that happen during birth where you could use like as many like dry clothes, blankets, whatever as possible. Right, like something yeah. to wrap the baby in. I mean, something yeah. to for it to sleep on. So, I mean, I get Lottie yeah. was trying to protect Shauna by pulling down the sleeve so the other girls didn't see that, but. I just think that was a miss. I still think they should have taken the jacket, but that's oh, just yeah,
1: me. absolutely, like you said, like they're in the middle of the wilderness, it's freezing cold, a baby is coming. they have no clothing for this baby like so they're and what they have already, like you said, is all dirty, worn, ragged, tattered, like they it's the middle of winter, so I would imagine that they're not able to wash their clothes the same way that they're able to in the summertime, and they don't have laundry detergent, so it's not like they're really getting it, like, super clean anyways, so that jacket would have been the perfect thing to keep for that baby, to keep that baby warm.
0: Yeah, I mean, 100. Uh, to your point, there is definitely no laundry out there. And Ty mentioned, you know, when they were going over the poop and pee bucket situation, um, let it smell funkier than usual or whatever. So I'm sure the cabin yeah. is pretty darn funky. But let's face it, that poop in the cabin was um, was definitely a thing. And you know, back to that really quick, Misty's comment about the boy and girl poop that was that was pretty <laughs> funny. That was like a good a good Misty uh, one liner. And I believe that it was. Either Ty, who pooped in the bucket in a fugue state, like whoever smelt it dealt it, I guess. Like she, you know, she's the one that smelled it. She went and emptied the bucket. Uh, That or our cabin cabin Mari, perhaps just with her sense of entitlement or Coach Ben. I mean, here's the thing. If it was Coach Ben, like you got to give him a little bit of a break. The poor dude's missing a leg. It's not comfortable for him to hobble along on crutches and go take a shit in the forest in the snow.
1: So, I mean, you know what? like. Give him a pass. We saw him struggling in the first season with Misty when Misty was helping him. And she's like, just bear down. (laughs) down. (laughs) And then she sang the Breakfast
0: at Tiffany song by Deep Blue Something, which was an absolute classic moment from season one. I loved that episode of Bear Down.
1: So if it was Ben and I and I was there, like I wouldn't even be mad because, like you said, like he has one leg. Yeah. So how can you fault him for that
0: right and what that means is this is the first time someone's done that so he's actually been going outside then this whole entire time so yeah. good for him good for whoever is helping him which is surely not misty
1: <laughs> did you notice in the first episode when misty's outside like collecting snow for water and crystal comes it looks like crystal comes out of an outhouse did you notice that oh um Maybe,
0: yeah. I, I think yes. Um, I didn't know that there was an outhouse there
1: though. Was that I, I, I don't think we've seen it before if No, but she but she was going to the bathroom and she comes out of it looks like an outhouse to me because it's really small. Hmm. And I thought that was so interesting because like we said, like they're going in the woods. But if they have an outhouse, why aren't you using the outhouse? Like it just it didn't make sense. It was like a little right. detail that I noticed because that was when Crystal came out singing that one song. I can't remember what song it was, but I absolutely love that part because <laughs> Misty's like, shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I really I've I've been enjoying having the extras there. I think it adds a little bit more context in the teen timeline. I know, you know, yeah. other sentiments online. Uh, some people are not going to the there. We're all entitled to our opinions, so, you know, it is. Really- like I said
1: before, though, like, if they really are going to eat each other, they need a bigger pool of people, so these extras are essential, in a way.
0: Right, right, and so eventually, they end up building the funeral pyre, and uh, they do end up, of course... Starting to cremate Jackie. Although it should be known, I was reading online that I believe it takes 1800 degrees in order to fully cremate a body, and campfires typically are around the 1500 to 1600 degree mark. So, no matter what, her body wouldn't have been cremated fully, but things would have turned out differently if there was not some force out in the wilderness there that made it so, of course, the snow fell on her and perfectly cooked her.
1: So that was what my husband said when we watched. He's like, you realize that when that snow fell, she was slow cooked. Yes. And <laughs> her <winter>, Jackie dinner.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. So um, continuing to move through the teen timeline, after they finally get Jackie all settled and burning, um, we see the Nat and Travis sex scene, which – fascinating. First, the timing of it, right? Because Travis has got to be feeling some kind of sense of relief, yeah. even though I'm sure it's a heaviness, darkness, sadness, etc. But whatever it is, it opens him up to sleeping with Nat. But throughout that whole thing, we're seeing interspersed these photos of him and Lottie. And this one in particular with the light shining on her and the positioning, it really reminds us of the Pieta, uh, which is of course the famous depiction of the Virgin Mary cradling Jesus's human body after his death. And that's interesting because now of course we know she's present at his actual death when he is an adult. So, So first of all, like Poor dad. I mean, Travis isn't, like, imagining Lottie in a sexual way. It's like he's feeling this connection with her because of everything that they've been doing together. The rituals uh, before they leave to go hunting, the drinking of the blood, etc. So Travis is fully bought in, and they definitely show Lottie's power over him during that sex sequence. It's a little awkward.
1: Yeah. My mom said during that scene, like, It's so clear that Lottie has such a hold over them, like with her, like if you want to call her like a spiritual guidance kind of thing, like they're all buying into what she's throwing at them. And it always makes me go back to the first season when adult Natalie says that Travis didn't believe in any of that shit. But To me, it looks like Travis is a true believer of everything Lottie is saying. Like, especially because right before they go um, hunting or looking for Javi this episode, Travis makes a comment like, you missed the blessing that Lottie gave. And Mm -hmm. Natalie says something like, oh, I figured you had it covered. And And he keeps going. And then Natalie says, I can't remember the exact line that she says, but, like, she says something like, Lottie's making um, relationships with each and every fucking pine needle.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, she absolutely is. Um, of course, she ran out of her medication a long time ago. And it's hard yeah. to say if what's happening to her out there is because she's not medicated or because of the forces out there or a combination of both. Um yeah. And now we know that her parents sought uh, treatment for her post-rescue in 1998. She was yeah. uh, getting electroshock treatment. She was in a, a Swiss mental institution for about 25 years, and now, of course, we see her as an adult. But a lot in the wilderness, she is she is definitely up to stuff. Uh, yeah. That Wiccan crap, I think, is what, what Nat said at one point. <laughs> yeah. So they're in the cabin, they're having sex. We see some funny camera angles happening outside. So the scene pans like kind of over the wilderness, and we get a different perspective. The view we're getting is implying that we're following the sightline of someone or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like some kind of force or something. And we've seen that before, like the door slamming in season one. We've seen those, those camera perspectives where it appears someone is watching them, even with Nat and Travis out in the wilderness, when they were looking for Javi an episode ago, it seemed like there was somebody out there watching them. So that force is moving purposely and with intent projected by that camera angle. We see it, of course, forcing that snow to drop down onto Jackie, um, which smothers the flames and gets Jackie down to kind of a low burn and cooks her perfectly. And they're waking up in the cabin. At first, I was unclear. I was like, are they waking up because Nat and Travis are having sex and someone's going to yell at them? No, not why they're waking up whatsoever. They're waking up because they smell human meat Jackie cooking yes. outside. And it's almost like they're all in a trance and they wake up and they, you know, all just kind of walk out there and they're looking at each other. And um let the soft cannibalism ensue. They yes. go for it. And it looks that every single one of them partakes, of course, except for Coach Ben, who goes back into the cabin and is looking 100% horrified, alarmed. What am I going to do? That look on his face was absolutely something. And interspersed with this whole cannibalism situation is another dream sequence where, well, not a dream sequence, but they're kind of imagining themselves at this. East, this, mm-hmm. it looks like almost like the Last Supper or this like Roman Greco celebration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Roe talked a little bit about how when we consume, essentially we're making life. And yeah. so they show some of them uh, like Van here for instance I mean gosh she's got like stuff just dripping down her and they are feasting. Shauna you know they're showing eating a strawberry when of course in reality she's eating her best friend. Mm -hmm. We see Misty with a smile on her face (laughs) Um, and now we know like we had seen Misty eating watermelon in some of the teasers and previews for season two so now we know where that came from Um, Mm -hmm. and we had kind of talked about that perhaps they're imagining you know eating This fruit while they're actually eating something else. And now we know for sure that it is um, dead Jackie. So So now that we know the cannibalism happened, that answers one of our big questions, of course, was what happens to Jackie's body and how the cannibalism started. Um, Other questions answered in this episode, Travis's death. We know what happens now, even though we think Lottie is lying. And um, also, Shauna is a suspect in Adam's murder. So they're starting to pay off that storyline with her stabbing Adam and the torso. Um, And with that, we can move on to the adult timeline.
1: Wait one second. Um, I read an article about episode two, like two nights ago, and it was Jonathan Lisco talking about episode two and what happens. And in the article, he said that Ty was in her fugue state when they were eating Jackie, mm. which completely blew my mind because I have a feeling... We've all seen the trailer. I don't know if you remember this exact scene, but there's one shot of Ty, teen Ty. She's like holding on to something and she's bent over and she's screaming. Yes. Yes. I think that that's going to be because she finds out that they ain't Jackie and she partook in eating Jackie. And she's going to be really, really, really upset about it.
0: Yeah and we briefly talked about this too like the hangover the next day mm-hmm. when like what is that awkward conversation it's like you know maybe if you have like a a one night stand or something and you're like having to confront the person the next morning yeah. right it's probably pretty awkward i would imagine and like that they wake up they're looking at each other they're like god what did we do last night like you know, and and are they still hungry? Are they only going to have like a taste for human meat now? I mean, that seems to be a pretty prevalent theme within cannibalism. Once you, you know, once once you have it, then that's like what
1: you're craving. So. And are they going to like, obviously they didn't eat her entire body in one sitting. So are they going to save it or are they going to just get rid of the rest of it?
0: Oh, I mean, at this point, I they've got to maximize what they have. If they're yeah. already like investing and consuming, I mean, yeah. they're not going to let it go to waste. And you know, as Shauna pointed out, she had her hand on her belly, and she said, you know, she said she wants us to, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a little bit of a double entendre because they imply that she's talking about her baby, rubbing her belly, yeah. of course, with the hunger. But also, we heard Jackie say, you know that. She was hungry for something else. So I think she means kind of Jackie and her baby. And now Jackie will always be a piece of her. Like yep. her nutrition will absorb into the placenta that the baby is using for its nutrition. And, yep. you know, it's it's come full circle. Um mm-hmm. Jackie and Shauna are indeed one. So yes. Wow. But again, that just makes it so much more awkward when Shauna has to go have brunch with yeah. um, with Jackie's parents every year. I just can't imagine her sitting there like eating food and not thinking, God, remember that time I ate your daughter's ear? Like, ooh,
1: awkward. <laughs> yeah, or her <laughs> left arm.
0: <laughs> or her left arm, right? I mean, oh my God. Oh my God. So <laughs> – On to the adult timeline. Um, We open with Callie and Kyle breaking up. Really quick note on Callie. Um, Sarah, who plays Callie, is in The Night Agent on Netflix, which I burned right through. Absolutely loved it. She plays the vice president's daughter. Highly recommend it. It will be on my watch this Wednesday post. Um, Mm. So check it out. And a Paramount Plus show rabbit hole with Kiefer Sutherland I started that one too it's, Ooh, my it's husband pretty good that. there's yeah. a yeah it's so it's pretty good so anyway side note um Sarah is in the night agent so check it out but we open with her and Kyle breaking up Callie is just like such a typical smug teenager I mean ah yeah. you know I she's I, obviously I, dealing with some stuff
1: Yeah, that makes me feel like a little bit bad for her just because like she's been dragged into this whole fiasco with her parents because she knows about Adam. Like she met Adam at the club, like she found Adam's license, like in at in their house, like and gave it back to Shauna. So she's like been inserted into this, like without wanting to, and now she is involved like whether they want her to be involved or not.
0: Right, absolutely. Um so Kelly and Kyle break up um and then we start to see adult tie, right? And adult tie is is having some issues in this episode. Yeah. I'm trying to find the picture of her. Just that that look on her face when she's driving the car with Simone. But prior to that, she's drinking espresso. She's exercising feverishly. And um, she you know, imagines that Sammy is there and he's n- not even there, we come to find out, which I didn't see coming. I thought he was there playing with Steve. So that was a yeah. little bit unexpected for me.
1: Yeah. I never for a second thought that he wasn't there and that just goes to show like just how drastic the situation with Ty has become because now she's hallucinating things while she's actually awake so that brings like a whole another level into it.
0: Oh my God. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, and so then Lottie is claiming that after she heard the news about Travis dying, she had some of her cult members keeping an eye on Nat to make sure she didn't do anything stupid, like shoot herself. So now we know that, yeah, she was indeed being watched by Lottie's cult. That's another question answered. And um, of course now she is in the cult compound or um, intentional community compound with Lottie. And they had a, a funny exchange. It was... Yeah. Um, She said, you know, you've been finger painting in the loony bin for the past 25 years, and now here you are running a cult, and um, maybe that's a qualification for running a cult. Maybe, uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) In that conversation, too, like, Lottie, like, defends her choice to, like, bring those people in to follow Natalie, and Natalie says something like, like, Lottie says something about how it's, like, therapeutic, and Natalie says oh, so was it therapeutic when your purple fox jumped me or something like that? <laughs> I loved that. I yeah, absolutely loved that.
0: That was good. And, you know, Nat is still not buying into Lottie's cult here in no. the future days or the present timeline either. Um, She never has. It doesn't seem like she will. Something interesting that happened, though, with Nat was when she had that – Dream or flashback of her ODing. I yeah. thought that was really interesting because um it looked like she was being treated by medics and mm-hmm. it, it looked like Travis was there in the background. Yeah. And why did this alarm her so much? What happened there? Were her and Travis doing drugs together? Did Travis just come and find her? It yeah. was just a quick little thing, but I think he's definitely were... there. Yeah, it's oh, definitely. he's definitely there. Death yep. there and I'm wondering what's what's gonna happen with that like it scared her for some reason so they're obviously mm-hmm. going to come back to it they don't just insert a random flashback like that for no reason so curious to see me
1: think about how in the episode like when we see when Lottie tells the story about how Travis dies and <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> she says um he says something like I just want, I just want to pass out until like, I just want to do it till I pass out because you have to get close to death in order to talk to it. So like that made me think that maybe like that was Natalie's near death experience. Like, just like, oh. just like, uh, because he was saying that like uh van had one, he said Lottie had one like back when they were in the wilderness. So that made me think maybe this was Natalie's way of like getting as close to that as possible without dying.
0: Right. Oh my goodness. And I just still cannot get over the note. Tell tell Nat she was right. Yeah. What was she right about? Like it's it has must have to do with Lottie. I mean, I did not buy Lottie's story for like one second. Like yeah. not even one second. First of all, great casting with adult dramas. Yeah. I, I think like. The, his looks, I think the way that he speaks, oh very gosh, voice. Yes. I mean, it, it almost sounds like it could be Kevin Elvis. I yeah. mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But he's in this like frantic state. Um, You know, Lottie goes over there and she's like, sits on the couch and falls asleep. And that's of course, when Travis gets up and leaves, but something does not add up. The buttons being broken with the crane. How did I mean? He just went and set up all the candles all by himself. Yeah. Why is he leaving her the bank account instructions? Exactly. Like, there's so many things that don't add up. And then let's not forget, you know, when Lottie goes and and sees him, that we see Demon Laura Lee. So I don't have oh, the one of her God. face, but you know, we see Jane Whittup is back. She's holding Leonard, and she's essentially a demon. So what does that mean? How does her manifesting? Play into Lottie's part in all of this? What's your take on that?
1: I honestly don't really know how to interpret it. Like, I feel like she sees Laura Lee because she's looking for like guidance on what to do. And Laura Lee, when she was alive, like was like Lottie was leaning into her for like explanations as to what was going on while they were out there. And, and Laura Lee told her to turn to God. So I feel like she saw her because, like, she just didn't know what to do. And that was, like, her version of God, in a way, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of religious depiction in this episode, with Lottie being depicted again in this light of the Virgin Mary, and then seeing Laura Lee, who was indeed that religious presence in the teen timeline I mean it's got to all play together and I'm curious I wonder if Lottie's seen any of the other dead people at any point or if it's exclusively Laura Lee and it does tie into them having that experience with Lottie's vision and her baptizing her etc because they had that bond right Laura Lee mm-hmm. essentially
1: baptized Lottie yeah. so but like you said like there's so much about it that doesn't add up and for me the biggest piece Is the bank account detail. Because if Travis didn't have any intention of dying. Then why would he leave that information for you? And not only that. Like you pointed out a couple other things that make it fishy. Like how did she know where Travis lived? How did she know where Travis worked? And um, how did like how did Travis even contact her? Because Like she said, she was in a mental institution for 25 years. Everyone thought that she was in a mental institution. So then explain to me how, if that's the case, he knew how to get a hold of you and knew that you would come and help him.
0: Right. And it also puts Lottie and Misty and Nat near the same place at the same time. Because, of course, we know in season one, um, Nat and Misty went on a road trip to New Hampshire to find Travis, who was – totally off the grid um, living like a complete hermit working at Willowbrook ranch. And you're right. How did Lottie know that? And how was it like, okay, so that must mean Lottie called the police, but how did they not cross paths with each other? I find it interesting in the timing of it again, like, is Misty involved somehow? You know, we see her playing drums with the cult at some point. So we think that she probably buys in. Has she been involved this whole time? Probably not because we did, you know, hear her phone call, that very desperate phone call, um, you know, to the girls. Oh, my God. I want to read that quote. I think it's really funny. What does she say? Um, Let's see. Oh, wait. Maybe I don't have it. But um, she's uh, –
1: where is it? Where is it? Where is it?
0: Uh, anyway it's not in there I don't think or maybe I missed it but um she's essentially like hey girls like what's up um you know Misty it's the third time today like what are you guys doing a spa day without me or Mm -hmm. so it's like poor Misty she's so desperate to get her friends and you know talk to them and of course um
1: she, really use the support of my teammates. <laughs>
0: my teammates. And of course we know she was the equipment manager. She wasn't even on the team. I mean technically yes. Okay. You're on the team. You're the team's equipment manager. But Misty really leans into the teammates in in all cases because it doesn't seem like she has any actual friends. But now her and Citizen Detective Walter are into it, putting the sick in forensic by the way, which <laughs> I think is an amazing. Scandal. I love it. And did you catch on the Reddit board that there was the, I think it was the Parsippany Poisoner, mm-hmm. and it sounds like they were referencing Jessica Roberts' death. Yep. So I'm interested to see if they revisit that, if, yeah. you know, somehow... They find out it was Misty, and now all of a sudden we have two of the yellow jackets on the hook for murder. Um, I feel like Misty covered her tracks a lot better with Jessica Roberts, of course, yeah. than she did with um helping the girls dispose of Adam's body because she totally missed the torso tattoo, and yep. of course, torsos are useless unless they have a tattoo, so yes
1: there's Unless that a huge identifying back tattoo
0: <laughs> exactly which is still very sus I think the mountains are again very suspicious the fact that he asked Shauna to go to a cabin in the Poconos I'm not unconvinced that he was somehow related to the cult and his job was to get Shauna there um, yeah. of course we had seen in his art studio all of those paintings of Shauna which are crazy and there yeah. were some tweets that said there were other pictures in there there was I think an ear that was hung up in there somewhere and I think there was a picture of Ty or one of the other yellow jackets that were I, kind of like an easter egg in there too
1: I saw that someone said that and I like rewatched it looking for those things but like I couldn't find I didn't see them I mean I believe the I believe whoever saw it because everybody in this fandom is so eagle-eyed and like rewatches everything like 20 times so I don't doubt that this person is correct but like I looked and I couldn't see it myself I was like scouring every little painting that we saw but yeah it like it's just really really odd that like they were only supposed to be in a like fling sexual relationship for like I don't know if it was a couple weeks and They go to this art studio and there are like, there had to be upwards of at least 10 paintings of her.
0: My God! If not more than a dozen, I mean, the amount of time it would have taken him to have those—he's been watching her for a long time. Because there's no way he could produce that much art in such a short period of time. So it does lend more credibility to the fact that yes, Adam was after Shauna for something. We know he had the book, the skin in the game. We know he knew who she was. We know he lied about stuff. And yeah, maybe he's just a device to move the murder plot forward. Yes, that could be. We know he's not hobby, of course, that has been debunked, but. I still think we're gonna get a little bit more on Adam and his background, so we know yeah. he's an artist, but he lied about going to art school, so it's weird the things that he chose to lie about and not lie about, no. but that amount of art is absolutely alarming, and we should mention that the key for the art studio was blue and yellow, which are of course yellow jackets colors, so yes, hmm, and hmm I, Emily.
1: I said this last week, like when we talked about that scene in particular, but like. I'm honestly really surprised that Adam was actually an artist, period. Because, like, I thought because he lied about art school, that meant that he probably lied about the fact that he had an art studio. And that probably meant that he lied about the fact that he was an artist, period. So finding out that he was actually an artist really, really surprised me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting about liars because I feel like in many cases, liars have a hard time keeping their lies straight and then they get caught in them. I mean, Emily, we've seen it time and again, right? (laughs) So, um, yeah, interesting what he he chose to lie about and not lie about. But, you know… Liars get caught, Emily. Liars get caught. So we'll see. They almost
1: always do, yes. Yes,
0: they do. So we'll see what happens with that. But speaking of Adam, we see Callie holding that unburnt piece of his driver's license. Mm -hmm. What is she going to do with it? Is she going to use it against Shauna or is she going to protect Shauna? Because it's odd. Kevin Tan comes to the house, of course, and is questioning her. And Callie's the one that, like – Saves her from the questioning. She comes yeah. in, you know, gets Shauna and saves her. And she's like, why are you lying to the cops, you know? And I thought for a minute they actually might go to the mall together after that and bond, like, as a thank you. But no, they don't. And I another know. thing with the adult Shauna, like, the way she was handling that meat patty. Yes. Like, with a spatula. like, <laughs> Like, what? Who makes a hamburger patty like that? There was, like, one single meat patty there I mean I'm sure it was all just kind of like a joke and a nod to like the cannibalism at the end but um I've never personally handled a hamburger patty like that it was
1: no, like, no never
0: with a spatula I, I don't know there was just something odd about the way she was handling the meat but we know that Shauna has not shied away from meat I mean she's out there killing rabbits in the garden and making chili so um Shauna
1: like Shauna and Callie's exchange like after Kevin left too I thought was interesting because like I feel like Callie was like looking for something from Shauna in that moment like like she got a thank you but I feel like she wanted more and Shauna says like Callie cows and Callie looks at her like expecting something like I don't know like something other than what she says and all shauna says is if you're gonna leave use the back door instead
0: i thought that was like kind of bitchy a little bit rude her daughter just totally extracted her from a police questioning and i mean first of all we know kevin tan didn't buy it because of course later we see callie at the bar with alana and she's getting uh, i don't think catfished is the right word also by the way hate catfishers the worst people out there Mm -hmm. um the police Partner with the worst mustache that I've ever seen (laughs) is tricking her in the bar, trying to get her to open up. And of course, he does. And she opens up about her mom cheating. So then he gets the confirmation and goes back to Kevin. And, you know, Kevin's like, no, like, wait, we're not going to go after her yet. Shauna's smart. So he knows Shauna's smart. He knows they're going to need more evidence to get her. And he's right. But at the same time, I think Shauna really messed up by lying to him in the first place. I think she should have had a better story. I mean, fuck, she practiced with Misty, Mm -hmm. like police interrogation. I think she could have done better. But again, like, I mean, after you murder somebody, it must be difficult to lie about. It's a pretty big deal,
1: right? I think she messed up in when Kevin was leaving her house, too. Like, when he said, like, they'd be in touch for, like, more questions. And she's like, does that mean I need a lawyer? Yes. as soon as she said that, I'm like, why the hell would you say that, Shauna? Like he's he doesn't think that you did anything, but, but now point, he does. Yeah, exactly. Because he, he even was like, Why would you need a lawyer? And her response was so bad. Like, oh, I just watched one too many cop shows. Like her lies are not even good lies. Like no, they're not at all. They're not.
0: They're not. When people lie, they should at least, you know, at least try to make them believable, right? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, that's a whole situation there. Um, And then after this scene is when we get to Sammy getting to Ty's house finally. We mentioned it earlier, of course. It seems like a normal interaction. Ty comes downstairs. Sammy's there playing with Steve. Poor Steve the dog, by the way. Um, Don't think he's going to make it out of the season. But... I Again, I didn't realize that Sammy really wasn't there. And that just really goes to show Ty's state of mind. And, you know, as uh, they're driving in the car, her and Simone, after Simone comes over, um, you know, Simone's like, Ty, you're very sick. Because, of course, the school calls and says Mm -hmm. that Sammy is there and has been there the whole time. So it's very clear that he's never been to Ty's house. She completely imagined it. And here she is driving It's hard to say, is she in a fugue state? Is she just very angry? Is she so tired? I mean, and then of course they get in a car accident, which I would expect is why we see Simone in some of the previews wearing head bandages, et cetera. So we know at least they survived the crash, of course. But I definitely
1: think that she entered into her alter personality in that moment because it was like Simone said something, she looked normal, And then the next second, like, it was like this evil expression came over her face. And it was the same expression that, if you remember, there's one point where she's looking in the mirror. And when she looks in the mirror, her reflection, like, turns while she's still looking. And that's, like, to indicate that that's, like, her, the bad one, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's exactly what happened in that moment. Like it's starting to happen to her while she's awake now.
0: Yes. And I just I feel like Tawny Cypress nails all oh, yeah. of that stuff. Like her authentic look of just pure evil is is remarkable. So props she to Tani Cypress. I, I, yeah. I agree. She is absolutely amazing. So we then see, uh, Misty, you know, we've mentioned this, got our first glimpse of Walter in the nursing home. Was it just a cover story? Was he just, um, was that his actual, uh, mom or grandma or whoever it was there? Or did he just like grab a random elderly person and they were, you know, his prop so he could go meet agent Quigley? Um, I think
1: that it was staged.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And the note he left her with the disappearing ink, that was so cute. I love how he calls her agent Quigley. I love how he's like so leaning into this whole citizen detective situation. Um, I, I think it's hilarious. I I loved his cargo shorts. I loved watching Misty check out his muscular calves. And her reaction was like so abrupt. It was like, like she's interested but also confused and like Putting two and two together, so it mm-hmm. was it was really interesting. Some of the music they were playing during Misty's um, interactions with Walter, or like his note, I thought were really like funny and kind of cartoony yeah. and just fit really well.
1: So I love the fact that he like asked her for her help. Like, so now they're officially gonna be like a team. Yes. And we see in the next episode
0: that they are going to be questioning somebody who's been living at the motel for three months. We speculated, or a fan speculated in our live after show, maybe it's Randy. That would be pretty funny. Of course, Randy will recognize Misty, so not sure how that will end up. But we see Misty getting on a boat. So Mm -hmm. where is the boat going? Is this where they're questioning somebody? Do you need to take a boat to get over to Lottie's Intentional Wellness Place? And that's where they're headed. I'm not sure. I
1: oh, I never yeah. even thought of that. I
0: mean, That's it's in the mountains. Life. We see it's surrounded by lakes. Maybe yeah. it's like, you know, lake access only so people can't escape. I don't know. Because yeah. obviously Lottie says that, you know, Nat needs to wait for the next day to get out of there. So it might yeah. be like a process. Or she's just lying to keep her there. We yeah. can never tell with Lottie. So. Yeah. Yes. Um Lottie tells Nat that Travis had reached out to her with the darkness. And of course, this is when we get the whole lie story that Travis called her there. He needed to get to that place close to death. And then, of course, we see him on the crane and the buttons aren't working. And I just don't buy one second of that reenactment. I don't think it's true. Again, why is he giving her the bank account information? I, I just I don't believe that Lottie fell asleep. I believe that something else happened. To your point, how did how did Travis even know how to get a hold of Lottie? What did yep. the note mean? Tell Nat she was right. And then something that they paid off, you know, was, um, you know, we see Travis um, and Nat in the wilderness. And then, of course, now we know, too, that, you know. Travis had a message for Nat from Mm -hmm. Lottie again, too. Like, what is that message? Um, Is she going to lie about whatever the message is because she's somehow involved with this? I just feel like there's a lot of suspicious activity surrounding adult Travis and Lottie. And something does not add up to me.
1: I'm not really, like, a huge fan of adult Lottie at this point. Like, she just gives me these, like, vibes that, like, something is really off.
0: Yes, no, hundred percent. And you know what? I mentioned earlier that um, Sarah is in the Night Agent, so is in Simone Kessel. She's actually she's in um, the Night Agent on Netflix as well. So if you're looking for something to watch, check it out. It was cool seeing two of our Yellow Jackets cast members in another television show. But I agree. I'm not a big fan of Adult Lottie right now. I don't like what she's doing to Nat. I don't believe in anything she's doing. Again, she's wearing a Rolex, running a cult. I just feel like. Things don't add up. Maybe she's just comfortable because her family's always had money, and that's just what she's um, accustomed to. Maybe not. It will be interesting to see, like, is this a big money-making venture with the cult? Um, Is it all a big scam? Yeah. Um, I'm sure we will get um, more context on that. But what an episode. I I mean, from the soft cannibalism to seeing adult Travis's fate finally. I again think we're going to learn a little bit more about that because I do not buy it. Uh, The music from episode 202 Edible Complex we heard No Room for a Nihilist in Hollywood by Peachy, Inertia Creeps by Massive Attack, Little Queenie by Sad Girl. And it all culminated with Radiohead's climbing up the walls during that cannibalism scene at the end. And that was just the perfect song. It was the right combination to go with both the dream sequence, them eating Jackie. I felt that that song placement was amazing. Um, Someone had tweeted us last night or tweeted they wanted to hear a podcast with the Yellow Jackets music director. So I tweeted her and I'm hoping that maybe we can get them on the podcast to talk more about um, song placement, you know, how the score was done, all of that stuff. So uh, I think the music has been something that's been awesome with the show so far. Cannot wait to hear um, more of the songs uh, throughout season two. Yeah. So next week. Episode two hundred and three. You have received your mail already. Digestive. Tell us a little bit about the three
1: pictures on this week's mailing. So we see a bird, a moose, and I'm pretty sure that the thing with the symbol is a blanket. I think that's the blanket that we see in the trailer um, with the symbol on it. Yeah, we were trying to figure out like what it could be for.
0: Yeah, so it it seems that there will be a baby shower in this next episode. We see yeah. Mari here in the cabin. It looks like maybe she's making some sort of something. Kind for of the looks baby. like she's making like
1: a mo- like a baby mo- mobile or mobile, however you say it. Like yeah, one of that could be. That you hang over the crib.
0: Over the crib. Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised she's even contributing just because she seems like such a Karen and whatever. But speaking of the moose, there's a shot where we see a moose coming for Nat in the airplane. Nat and Travis probably. And it's a Um, white
1: moose.
0: Right? So now the question is, are they going to get that moose and have enough meat where they don't need to partake in the hard cannibalism for a while? Or does something else happen? Does somebody get injured? I wonder if all of those scenes of the girls charging something, I mean, could it be tied into the moose somehow? I just, I would imagine the moose would run away at a charging group of people. So I don't know. but um,
1: Moose other- are like, actually like kind of aggressive. So I don't know if it would run away from them. Like, I think this moose might have been trying to attack Natalie.
0: Oh, I mean, hopefully they can end up shooting it and stuff, but are like the yeah. moose travel in packs? Are there more I of them? Know. Are they loner animals? I'm not positive, but I'm not sure. we should find out next week. Uh, other yeah. things that we've seen for the preview, we see uh, Jeff and Kevin looking like bros at the gym. Um <laughs> You know, having a conversation, it looks like Jeff might be saying, dude, stay away from my wife. She has nothing to do with this. Is that yes. what do you think? You think so? Same thing?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Our
1: muscles. Did you see
0: that? I know, right? Warren Cole has clearly been working out. He requested so like a sleeveless shirt from the wardrobe department. He's like, um, "I would like to show off my guns <laughs> in the scene, please. <laughs> if we could keep it sleeveless, that would be fantastic." I love that. Warren Cole has been great this season. I still love that Papa Roach scene. Um, so we're closing in on the end here. Um, just I think one quote I wanted to bring up from this episode was Travis when him and Nat are out hunting. He says, everyone has their role. We're going to need more than just food if we're going to make it through the winter. So for me, I feel like that is a big foreshadowing moment of the cannibal council, their role. Everybody will have a role. There will be a butcher. There will be a hunter. There will be an antler queen. Um, Lately, I've been seeing some theories about antler kings. But again, I don't Mm -hmm. think a show about a female soccer team is going to make an antler king. I read an article last night that Jackie is the antler queen I and they kind of make her like this deity, right? Like they, they worship her. She's the antler queen. Interesting theory. I cannot yeah. wait to see what happens. We've seen the antler queen shadow throughout different scenes coming off of Ty. We've seen, yeah. you know, Lottie with this juxtaposition of the antlers behind her in the cabin multiple times. And of course her doom coming costume. So, so anyway, that quote by Travis, I think is very telling about everybody having their roles. I can't wait to see how they make this transition from the soft cannibalism to the hard cannibalism.
1: Okay. We know,
0: you know, it's going to be very ritualistic, whatever it is. They end up having costumes. They take Doom coming to, like, a whole nother level by constructing those yeah. costumes. And we've seen, you know, the way it was written in the script that the um, the – pit girl thing happens it seems like at dawn in the morning and then you know they're eating it at, at night so mm-hmm. it seems like they make this whole ritual again everyone has their role so i think that quote is is a very important one so we will see what everybody's role is in season two cannot wait for episode three uh Digestive. it's going to be awesome Thank you guys all for joining us. We absolutely love and appreciate creating content for you guys. Um, We've received so many nice messages uh, from our fans and friends. And just thank you so much for consuming our content. We love making it. Uh, We'll be back with another um, Hive After Dark live Yellow Jackets after show on Sunday, immediately following the new episode. And we'll have a fan joining us this week. So that will be fun. With that, uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Yes, until we spill
0: again.